listening to the Crop Disease Podcast, a podcast that will keep you up to date on how to manage common crop diseases faced by Australian growers. Well, here we go again into the next season and it's time to plan, plan and plan. How is your 2020 season plan shaping up to be? Are you doing anything different? Have you experienced a few dry years in a row and are looking for some disease management advice? Then definitely stay tuned. Hello, it's Megan Jones from the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, and I'm your host for the Crop Disease Podcast. Also co-hosting with me today, I have CCDM Farming Systems Economist, Amir Abadi. Welcome back, Amir. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, it's great to have you here again. So in this episode, we're talking about planning for the season ahead, particularly for growers experiencing drought. How about you, Amir? How are your plans looking for 2020? Ah, well, we have some um, really interesting things that are going to happen in 2020. Um, I'm looking forward to actually talking to some growers and advisors about the kind of decision support systems that we might be able to develop through the capable efforts and, and the scientists at the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. And one of the things we've done is we've started collaborating with the GRDC-funded project that's national in its uh, scope, and DPIRD is managing that. And uh, so CCDM is providing the economic services to that. And uh, one of those things is the uh, behavioral science aspects where we're asking growers and advisors and pathologists what diseases are giving them the biggest challenges in terms of decision making. And then asking a question for which diseases and in what areas of Australia would decision support systems actually add value. We don't want to compete with agronomists or pathologists, but we want to boost their efforts. Are you looking for growers and advisors to talk to for this? Yes, please. Yes. If anyone's interested, please contact us and uh, let us know that um, you'd like to share your ideas about what might be useful. And the other thing that we're doing, the second thing that I'm excited about is the effort we're putting in towards that barley cohort survey mm. that we conducted with your help yes. and, uh, <laughs> and, and the help of a few others at CCDM. Um, we put some economics related questions in there. So I'm looking forward to analysing that. Oh, that should keep her busy. Yeah, we ended up getting 330 samples back from go. that project. So it was quite a lot, wasn't it? That's right. Yep. So in this episode about planning for the 2020 season, we've got Stephen Simfendorfer, a cereals plant pathologist from New South Wales DPI. He's going to talk about drought and disease management in central and northern New South Wales. And from the west side, we've got cogent up farmer Ben Webb talking about his 2020 plans. So it should be a good episode. I think so. Yes. Um, so let's start with Ben Webb from Cogent Up. Ben was great to talk to, actually. Um, he has a lot going on in his mixed farming enterprise. Are you ready to take a listen, Amir? Yes, please. Okay, let's listen. Hello, it's Ben here. Oh, hello, Ben. This is Megan Jones from the CCDM. How are you? Well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thanks. Um, I heard you've just Hi. come back from holidays. Is that right? Yep. Now we've been down the coast for a few weeks with the family. It's been good fun. Good to get away for a while. Oh, I bet it is. Yeah. No, definitely the time of year to do it, I reckon. Yep. We came back to a 40 degree day yesterday. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> so whereabouts do you farm? Uh, so we we farm half up in Cogent up and Pulling Up Cool. Oh, uh, yep. Great. And have you always been there? Yep, yeah, grew up here, then I went away for a while when we finished school, went to uni and worked away, they did something that for a while and came back. 
about 12, 13 years ago now. Oh, very good. And what do you normally grow and produce on your farm? Uh, so we've got a mixed sheep cropping enterprise. Uh, run, we run merinos over about 45% of the farm. Yep. And then the rest of the farm we crop to canola, wheat, barley, oats, lupins and a few beans and vetches and that. Oh, very good. So how did you go last season? Was harvest okay? Uh, we actually had a very, yeah, very good year last year. Normally it gets too wet here, but... um. We tend to do all right in these dry sort of years, so yeah, no complaints here anyway. Very good. And harvest went okay? Yep, we had a good run, no harvest rain or anything, so yeah, we finished before Christmas, which is unusual for us. Normally it's a bit of a struggle to get away before January, but yeah. Ah, good to hear. So um, more specifically, how did you go with managing crop disease last season? What were your biggest problems? Uh, because it was such a dry year, yeah, disease wasn't a, a big issue. We do generally a canola cereal or a, or a legume cereal in the rotation. I don't have two cereals in a row ever, and I think that helps a little bit. I'd like to think it does anyway. And then use a, yeah, a bit of seed dressing and do a fungicide with the radish spray generally to try and keep the crops clean. Yeah, very and good. And then come back later with a bit of fungicide and UAN if we need, bump the protein up and keep the keep the top few leaves clean is the general sort of plan. Yeah, and it worked well for you? It did, yeah, but and it was very dry, a very dry spring, so... Whether the, the, the yeah, there the probably wasn't a great deal of disease there anyway. What what sort of disease did you get last year? Uh, a bit of the spot type net blots in the barley. Barley's the main one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do get a bit of mildew in the wheat sometimes, but the worst one, the most difficult one, is sclerotinia in the canola. We did spray the canola last year, but it's, it's hard to tell if we got a response or not. So we we sprayed one of the better paddocks with canola with and Pizarro. We did we did did two strips, left two strips, did two strips and left two strips. And we couldn't see anything on the yield monitor, which is a bit disappointing, I think. It is a big cost, the Pizarro spray, so that's the one I have most trouble dealing with, I think. Yeah, for sure. So what about this year? Um, do you plan to do anything different with managing diseases and your crops? I think we'll probably keep doing what we're doing. We don't have a, don't have cereal on cereal. And in the cereal phase, if it's barley one year, it'll be wheat or oats the next. So there's quite a big gap between barley or wheat or oats. Um, and then, yeah, seed dressing during feeding and then a fungicide with the radish spray because it often gets too wet here to get back on the paddock. So we found that doing one with the radish spray earlier on helps keep them clean and buys us a bit of time at the end of the year. If the weather's right, we'll do another fungicide later on in the barley and the wheat. And are you trying any new varieties this year? Uh, not this year, no. We'll probably stick with planet barley, limbs oats and step the wheat. And the canola, we always seem to be changing the canola variety. Very good. So I saw in the news last year that you've been giving fava beans a go. Do you still see yep. the potential in them for your system? Yep, I think so. Yeah, they're, yeah yep, they are. They are difficult to grow, for sure. Um, but I'll keep at it for a while. The price was quite good this year, not as good as the year before. But um, in the better country, they, they tend to do well. And they do handle the water logging a lot more than the lupins, I think. So, yeah, probably continue to grow both. There's some countries that the lupins will grow well and, and the other countries the beans will grow well. Have they been a good tool uh, for managing disease? No, they do require quite a few fungicides, the uh, the fibres, yeah. You know, they, they are certainly a challenge for the disease, that's for sure. But the newer varieties are getting a lot better, I think. Okay, Ben, well, I've just got one more question for you. If you could have anything in the world, what do you think is most needed to help you better manage crop disease in general? If you could have any kind of science breakthrough, what would you have? <laughs> Enough resistance in the um, plants to not have to have to spray it, just manage it for three rotation, could be ideal. 
Yeah. So having enough natural resistance in the plants to, um, to fight off the disease, it would be good to not have to do that late spray because uh, then there's, yeah, there's more wheel tracks and big cost and all that sort of stuff too and there's green heads in the wheat and barley harvesting So to get, to get away from that late, late fungicide would be ideal. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay, well, thank you so much for that, Ben. That's some good information there. And, um, yeah, I hope everything goes well for the season coming up and that we get, um, yes, some interesting things happening on, on your property this year. Yeah, thank you. No, it's certainly exciting time. So. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and, um, yeah, hopefully I can check in with you again later and we can talk more about um, how you're going with managing disease. Yep, sounds good. All right, thanks, Ben. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Sure, yeah, bye. So that was Ben Webb from Cogenup. It was great hearing about how rotation is a big part of his disease management strategy. But while he focuses on rotation, he still needs to spray fungicides. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if rotation was enough and there was enough natural resistance in the crop to stop growers spraying, like Ben says? Do you think that's a bit of a pipe dream? Well, there is no variety that uh, anyone can develop that's completely bulletproof um, against diseases. And we know rotation is a fantastic uh, part of disease management because a break crop can can stop a fair amount of disease carrying over on dirty stubbles over to the next crop. So that's good. So I think uh, given that we are never going to have a bulletproof um, or disease-proof variety developed since we're chasing many different criteria in each variety, uh, we should be ready to look after the uh, crop with some chemical treatments but only when it's required. So if we don't want resistance, then we should only apply the chemicals when they're required. And they and the only clue to that is, is it likely to rain mm. in the next 10 days? And weather forecasts for 10 days are not too bad. And you can wait and see, have you got flag leaf? Yes. Is it going to rain in the next 10 days? Yes, then let's spray. Otherwise, maybe hold on and reevaluate again. Yeah, sounds good to me, Amir. Check the weather again. Yeah, for sure. And I thought it also was interesting how uh, Ben talks about how troublesome the late fungicide spray can be, um, particularly as it is applied on its own. And it can be quite damaging to the crop with the extra wheel tracks it causes. Can this be a bit of an economic problem for high rainfall growers? It can be. Um, One of the reasons why many farmers have moved to uh, control traffic and um, other systems like that uh, is to um, reduce the amount of trampling that or, or wheeling losses that they get by going over the paddock. But of course, the third spray, let's say, in Cogin Up, should only be done if really it's going to be raining and you have a high yield potential crop. Um, so it all depends on how the seasons panned out. But all growers would check this and they would look to see what the price is, what the grain yield is like. And if they're looking like high revenue from that crop, then they want to protect it. But if you're not going to, if you're not looking at getting lots of rain, in the near future, in the next 10 days, then maybe you save yourself the time and effort and the bother of spraying if you're not going to get a good return on investment. That's it. So it's so important to look at that weather, isn't it? Yeah. The weather, <laughs> weather is the key. That's it. Wetness is the key. That's, it. That's right. So next up, we are going to hear from Stephen Simpendorfer, who is a serial plant pathologist from New South Wales DPI. Stephen has been based at Tamworth for almost 20 years, talking to growers and agronomists on how to best manage disease in central and northern New South Wales. You know Stephen, do you, Emir? Yes, um, he was very kind to um, Ayelsu Zerihun and I. Ayelsu and I work at CCDM in Perth, and uh, he kindly took us around uh, his research plots and showed us his uh, 
uh, lab and research work and in the field and so on. So I'm very grateful to him for introducing us to his farming systems. Oh, brilliant. Sounds good. Well, Stephen and I actually spoke about how growers can plan ahead for this season, given they've already experienced many years of drought. Um, are you ready to listen to our chat, Amir? Yes, please. Okay, let's listen. Hello, Stephen speaking. Oh, hi, Stephen. It's Megan Jones here from the CCDM. How are you? I'm good, and yourself? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for your time today and coming on the show. Not a problem. So, Stephen, can you just tell us a bit about yourself? Like, how long have you worked in agriculture for now? Um, most people would say too long, um, <laughs> but it's yeah, going on about uh, just over 20 years now. So, mm-hmm. been in Tamworth here in my position since uh, 2001. Yeah, I know I look younger, but yeah. No, I've been here a while. <laughs> so in Tamworth since 2001? So I was in Wagga before that, just on a uh, GRDC project, a four-year project, and then a permanent position came up in Tamworth, which I applied and for and was lucky enough to get. So been here ever since, annoying uh, agronomists and growers in the, the north of New South Wales. Oh, brilliant. And are you actually from the area as well? No, from down uh, Wagga way. So yeah, families all um, around Cootamundra and Wagga down that area. Oh, okay. Very good. Okay. So can you tell us a bit about what, what has it been like over the past few years over your way in central New South Wales and northern New South Wales? We hear a lot about the growers are going through a bit of a tough time, but what, what's really going on, do you think? Oh, yeah, it has been very tough. So it, it certainly, I guess, it's the particularly like areas like the Liverpool Plains, which uh, have... You know, fortunate enough to have summer cropping opportunities, they've missed a lot of that as well. So, you know, certainly the last, for most people, the last decent crop was probably 2016, 2016 harvest, which was wet, um, last decent crop. But, you know, some people were lucky enough to get um, uh, small areas of crop in 2017, but, yeah, it's really just been diminishing since then. So, you know, just not getting that, that summer rain uh, to get the uh, fallow moisture storage. Because we a lot of the area, particularly in northern New South Wales, heavy clays and, and really re- rely on that stored uh, soil water uh, to grow those crops. But, yeah, and there's some areas that, you know, into that central area, um, Forbes and that area have probably missed out for even longer. They, you know, they actually, some of the area got flooded in 2016, so they lost a lot of canola crops, et cetera, then. And, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been tough, yeah. Yeah, sounds really tough. So hopefully um, things turn around soon. Yeah, um, so there still has, still has been crop going in, but, yeah, like last year would have been 10% of normal winter crop area, so that's how much impact it's had. So it's really stuff that's been on, you know, longer fallows that are, that are you know, getting crops. So, so with the drought going on, what has this meant for growers trying to manage crop diseases? Yeah, well, I guess it's, it's really forced them to do some stuff within their system, so... Um, we're, we're being driven by the lack of ground cover, lack of stubble cover, and it's really our cereal crops that give us that cover. That extended dry period's just seen those those levels drop so much. So our ability to store moisture if we get rainfall events has really dropped. So, you know, evaporation is generally outstripping our ability to store the water. So there's a real push for the need for to get ground cover back in there. So, you know, there'll be a lot higher planting of cereal crops this year just to fix the soil up and to get back into uh, uh, normal sort of seasons. And it's really going to be driven by cash flow this year. And that's what we're concerned about is that, you know, there's some simple things there with crop disease um, that that should be considered to hopefully maximise their their chances of of being profitable in this season. So what do you you predict will happen this year? How will growers plan their cropping programs going into 2020? Yeah, well, everyone's nervous. Fortunately, we've had um, patchy rain. Certainly, central New South Wales has missed out a bit more than, than others. But, yeah, hopefully we're returning to normal, normal patterns. I guess the thing we're urging is, you know, just plan ahead. So it's all going to be about timeliness this year. So 
So, yeah, dues for the need for stubble cover and other things, you know, there'll be, be a big um, cereal plant and getting the timing right. Because we know with extended dry too is a lot of the pathogens, which are stubble-borne pathogens, so ones that cause crown rot, fusarium crown rot, um, all our necrotrophs that uh, survive on the stubble, like a yellow spot fungus and uh, netbotch fungi, they're just surviving for longer. The stubble doesn't break down. The, the fungi that, that cause the diseases happily survive. So, you know, your rotation sequences or your breaks just go so much longer to get below damaging levels. So really just getting people to hopefully have a heads up on what they might be sitting on and then implement strategies to, to minimise the losses in that scenario. So you predict there could be actually quite a wide outbreak if the rain breaks well, soon? Well, I think uh, plant pathologists are pretty much like the Bureau of Meteorology. Whatever we predict, um, the exact opposite will happen. So we're out there predicting that we're going to have a lot of problems with, you know, crown rot and diseases that really like dry seasons so that hopefully it's really wet. And Mm. Yeah, I'd be very happy if my season is filled with people worrying about spraying for leaf diseases because it means we're in a wet season rather than worried about, yeah, how much crown rot they've got in paddocks. Yeah, that would be uh, an ideal situation, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be, it'd be awesome, yeah. It'd yeah. Make, make my day. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So when the drought hopefully does break soon, what do you think will be the biggest crop disease issue that growers will have to manage? Yeah, well, we, we know that we know that it, it'll vary a bit by soil type up here. So as we go into our northern region, we tend to have those heavier clay soils, which tend not to favour the, the hyphal network of rhizoctonia. So they're self-cracking, so they crack and they break up that hyphal network with rhizoctonia. So on those heavier black soils in the north, it's really uh, fusarium crown rot we're worried about and then to a lesser extent common root rot caused by bipolaris sorokiniana. So we know that with earlier sowing and, and, and deeper sowing, chasing diminishing moisture, we lengthen our subcranial node in our cereal crop and that's the main infection point for common root rot. So we know we increase our exposure to that. Also, going earlier, we maximise our yield potential but we're also going to warmer soil which favours infection by bipolaris, that common root rot fungus as well. So they're the things we're worried about. The other one up there too is is a beneficial uh, buscular mycorrhizae fungi, so what used to be called VAM, um, you know, to help the, the plants scavenge uh, for phosphorus zinc by extending their, their network. We know that numbers of those have declined with continued drought, so really concerned about people putting more sensitive crops for, for AMF, so your chickpeas and others, where they might have really low populations. So, but the beauty with all of this is there is actually testing available where, where a grower and through their agronomists can get a heads up on what potential issues are there you know, with quantitative data and then implement strategies to hopefully minimise the impacts. Yeah, tell us a bit more about this testing. What sort of testing are you... Yes, yeah, so this is, this is a offered out of Saudi in South Australia. So it's a, a test that's been around a long time um, called Predictor B. It's a DNA-based test based on quantitative PCR. So the amount of um, DNA of your target pathogen or your beneficial in the case of AMF gets picked up and amplified and you can relate that back to how much is actually there. And there's been a heap of work funded um, by GRDC with involvement by um, you know, state agencies and University of Southern Queensland has been involved as well, actually improving the sampling strategy with Predictor B and really defining those risk categories for the, the key pathogens. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so one last question for you, Stephen. Um, in your opinion, what are some of the steps growers need to do to minimise disease and maximise profit when recovering from drought? Yeah, it's really going through a key step. So the, the key one we just talked about then was, you know, that know before you sow. So actually have some quantitative data on what problems you may be sitting on. And once you've got that, it's really then you can implement, um, you know, pre-sow management options which have been established for the different pathogens. So if crown rot's your main one, we know there's a series of things you can do there with sowing time, variety selection, 
in a row sign, et cetera, to minimise your impact, given whether you've got a medium or high risk. The other, other big thing we're concerned about with such prolonged drought is going to be the availability of seed. But it's not just availability, it's the quality of that seed in terms of both germination, but it's vigour to actually get out of the ground and establish early. We know if there's, there's which if it's been stored for a long period, particularly on the conditions that in a silo, if it's been stored on farm, could have heated up and the, the vigour could be quite da- down quite low, which really reduces your ability to, to uh, deal with those pathogens. So. Mm-hmm. And the other thing we're really urging things is it's, this is not a set-and-forget season. So do everything we can, you know, prior to sowing to identify what the risks are, put in our best management options to reduce it, but actually assess where we are coming into that, that critical sort of heading time and, and, and flowering, just to know what level of disease we have got in those crops and then based on what the predictions are for the rest of the season, unfortunately just make some tough decisions about what to do with those crops. Rather than letting the diseases kick in, which we know will cost us a heap of yield, there's actually options there to maybe bale um, or you know cut the crop for silage and still get profit off that paddock, even though they might be high disease risk in there. So, and certainly New South Wales DPI, we're, we're here to support growers and advisors through that whole process. Oh, that's excellent, Stephen. So thanks for those four steps there. Um, I no, think right. I think we'll finish off the the interview here, and yep. um, yeah. So thanks very much for your time, and hopefully, no, that's not a problem at all. Yeah, hopefully the season breaks soon. I bet you guys have got all everything crossed to hope that. It- oh, mate, it'd be awesome if I'm just getting a phone call after phone call about which fungicide to spray for stripe rust or for oh. something else. It'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, oh, I bet it would be. Okay, well, thanks very much, and yeah, no I'll worries. talk to you soon. Okay, thank you, Megan. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, and just to recap those four steps Stephen spoke about, they were, um, one, know before you sow by using available tools such as Predictor B. Two, implement pre-sowing management options. Three, sow quality seed known to have both good germination and vigour. And four, assess your root health and infection levels around heading. What do you think about those four steps, Amir? It's good advice, isn't it? Very sage advice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I also thought it was interesting how Stephen talks about the predicted increase in cereal plantings once the drought breaks and the disease problems that grows my face from that. In your experiences with drought, Amir, what happens when it breaks? Like, I would think growers would see disease and think, wow, that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> who all, all growers and agronomists know that uh, disease comes when you've got lots of rain and uh, rain is the thing that we're all praying for and hoping for so um, let it come and it'd be nice to see lots of cereals grown and uh, and I hope that the price of grain stays up but uh, we we still have to make sure that we look after the uh, crops in such a way that it's economical so we don't um, overspend on that. So a couple of things that I think Stephen's um, points sort of lead us to is that um, you know you've got to have the right variety and you've got to check that this variety that you've been holding in the, uh, in the bins or on farm are actually viable in terms of germination. But then you also need to be ready and order the right chemicals for prevention of disease because sometimes when rain is around and disease is around because of rain because of wetness you don't want to be waiting to see lesions or or um, or yellowing on the leaves before you spray although that tells us that there is disease it's almost a bit late that that's called curative treatments if you go after you see disease mm. it's better to, to look to see if you're going to get disease because the conditions are correct like rain is expected and your yields are high then you go 
if you have the right chemical, you spray. So the important thing is prevention, mm-hmm. but prevention with the right chemicals that have not lost their efficacy towards that disease. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Amir. Mm. That's a good way to end off the show, I think, as well, with some good advice there. Mm. So, yeah, let's wrap up this episode here. Thanks so much for co-hosting with me today, Amir. As mm. usual, it's been really great having you here. I've been so happy to have you here. My pleasure. Thank you. So if you have a crop disease topic that you'd like us to cover, please let us know. You can follow and let us know on Twitter at the CCDM. You can also sign up to our blog and get more information just like this at ccdm.com.au. Well, that's all for now. You'll hear from us again next month for more crop disease discussions. It's going to be a good one. See you then. Okay, bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, a national centre co-supported by Curtin University and the Grains Research and Development Corporation. 